first three chapters are more the practical, uh, I'm sorry, the uh, principles of the Word of God on, on these things. And the uh, final three chapters, the second half of the book, is the practical aspect of it. How do we take those principles and apply them? How do we put those principles to work? So as we looked last week, in the finishing up chapter 3 in Ephesians, we saw that we were supposed to mature in all areas of the Word and our Christian life. We were to understand the Word for our time period, specifically that we're in the church age, that we were to mature in our love towards the Father and our love towards the saints. These are the things that we were to do. Now, here in chapter 4, he's done all this teaching about the mystery, all this teaching about who we are, building up our inner man, strengthening our inner man. And now our inner man, being all strengthened, is supposed to do something. He's supposed to help the outer man go out there and walk this thing out. And so he starts this thing off, chapter 4, verse, verse 1. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness and long-suffering, or with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love. So he's now focusing here, turning our attention on to our walk, because all this great teaching, all this great stuff has been out there that's supposed to be building up our inner man, it has to have an effect, and it's to have an effect on our, on our walk. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, again he's going over the fact that he's the prisoner of the Lord, not necessarily Rome. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you. So, if my chains, in other words, were bringing you sorrow, if you were being moved by my chains, he told them his chains were for them, then let them be moving you this way. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you. In other words, I beg of you. The word here is parakaleo. It means to admonish or exhort. It's the straight meaning of it. Uh, Brother Rick Renner had this to say on this, this word. It is a compound of words uh, from para and kaleo. The word para means alongside. We've covered that enough times. And the word kaleo means to call or to beckon. So he puts it this way. When these two words are compounded together, the new word pictures one who comes alongside someone else as close as he can get and then begins to passionately call out, plead, beckon, beg, and beseech that other person to do something on his behalf. So that gives he's just good with little pictures like that of the of the word. But he's he's coming up there and he's coming alongside of them and beseeching them, begging them, pleading with them, imploring them, have a walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. With all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love. Now, first off, we're going to take a look at the characteristics of our walk. There's characteristics that are supposed to have in our walk. And, and we're going to see that with lowliness, meekness, long-suffering, and bearing with one another. We're going to take some time on that. Because he said, if we're going to have a walk worthy, what is a worthy walk? What is, how do we know if our walk is worthy? How do we know what that makes up? So first he said, with all lowliness. Now the Greek word here means having a humble opinion of oneself, a deep sense of one's moral littleness, Modesty, humility, lowliness of mind. Having a humble opinion of oneself. A deep sense of one's moral or littleness. Modesty, humility, lowliness of mind. With all lowliness. In other words, what this is, is talking about is be teachable. Don't get into a mind frame that I am right. Right? 
I am always correct. Everyone else is below me. How many of y'all know people like that in the body of Christ? You know, no one else knows as much. If you tell them something, well, I already knew that. Well, yeah, but that's wrong. Yeah, but there's just no getting through to them. And then you have other people and you talk with them. And as soon as you start, oh, wow, give me some more on that. Oh, let me know some more. Yeah, oh, I've seen that before. Yeah, keep coming. All right. And they're just hungry. They just want to know more and more. There's a difference in attitude. A person who does not have this attitude, this, he puts it here, lowliness, but this humble opinion of oneself, where we understand, I, I walk in a certain amount of knowledge now, but I can grow. There's more out there. And there's other people who can help me in understanding that more. I don't have to know it all. I don't have to be knowledgeable in everything. I don't have to have known everything. But I can learn and I can grow. And, and that's the attitude that we need to have. If one of the characteristics, first characteristic of our walk, is we need to be teachable. Christians who have an attitude where they can't be taught. They come out of a meeting. Maybe you went to a meeting with a, with a friend of yours down in Philadelphia or went off to another city somewhere and you sat in the meeting and they come on out and, oh, well, I don't think that. Oh, I don't believe that. Oh, I don't. And just time after time, just ripping this apart, ripping that apart. And all right, maybe this one was an off teacher. But then you go to another one. It's the same way. You go to another one. It's the same way. They have the wrong attitude and their characteristics of their walk are not one that Paul says that you should have. That's not the kind of people we're supposed to emulate. They're not the ones that we're supposed to get close to. All lowliness, having a humble opinion of oneself, a deep sense of one's littleness, modesty, humility, the lowliness of mind. Oh, I'll tell you what, people have this attitude and understand, you know what, God's mind is so much larger than mine for me to even think that I've gotten there, that I understand everything there is on this topic. That's just ridiculous. I can learn some more. And if all in learning some more is all I do is review the things I already know, glory to God. But let me maybe somehow along these lines I get to hear some more. How many times has it been? I don't know for you, but for me, uh, probably you too, where you sat in the service and the, the, the teacher is preacher is going over some things you already knew, but you listened to it and you listened to it, and down in your spirit, all of a sudden, new revelation came. Something was quickened. Something was brought to mind. Well, you see, you have that because of your attitude. But if you sit in there and say, oh, I know this. Oh, I already heard it. Oh, I can't believe he's getting off on this again. Oh, how many times I've heard this one already. And we just shut it right down. And the Holy Spirit cannot speak to us because we don't have the right attitude. Paul said here in this verse, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you. I admonish you. I exhort you. I plead with you. I beg with you. Please have this attitude. Have this way. Have a walk worthy of the calling in which you are called. With all lowliness. All of it. Get it. Just, just have that in there. If you have even the hint of, well, I'm better than they, well, I just know more than they do. <laughs> oh, it's, it's just going to hinder you. It's going to hold you back. Don't have that kind of attitude. That's wrong. That's, that's just not it. And if you have that kind of attitude and you're not getting those revelations from God, where you're listening to things and He's speaking to you and giving you more stuff, you know, how's that going to be? How's that going to go? That's not going to help you. You know, I don't need to... When I go out there and I find people to put on my MP3 player to listen to, I want to find people who go over the Word of God. That's what I, I, my main thing is. If you're going over the Word of God, good. If you're giving me man's opinion on things or, or 
or, well, I don't know this, and, well, I don't need all that. But people who go into the Word of God and approach it in faith, approach it with the idea of, of uh, walking in love and all the things, all the characteristics we're supposed to have, and they approach it that way, I can listen to anybody because they'll go over the Word and, they'll, and I know my spirit will pick up on some things and the Spirit of God will begin to tell me some things and I'll get to write some stuff down and go off and, and, and do that. And, oh, glory to God, it should be good. But with all lowliness, he says the first thing. This is what we need to have. He then goes on with meekness. Meekness. The word there is preotes. It's uh, simply humility or meekness. Very misunderstood word. A lot of people, you know, they look at somebody meek and they think of equated with someone who's weak and just doesn't stand up for themselves and just, well, you know, whatever happens, happens. Whatever you want to do. If you want to take my coat, go ahead. If you want to take my car, go ahead. If you want to rob my house, go ahead. That's not it. <laughs> That's not the word. He says, with all lowliness, having that right attitude to be of, my, of myself, not looking myself being real high and well I got it all now and meekness the word picture here is of a strong willed person again I pulled from Rick Brenner on this and he had some some wonderful things to share on this the word meekness pictures a strong willed person who has learned to submit his will to a higher authority he isn't weak he is controlled he may in fact possess a strong will and a powerful character he may be a person who has his own opinion, but this person has learned the secret of submitting to those who are over him. Thus, he is one who knows how to bring his will under control. In rare instances, this word, preotes, was used to describe wild animals that had become tame because it correctly conveyed the idea of a wild, fierce creature or fierce, fierce will under control. And that's what this word meekness means. It means you are a, a person who is of faith, built up in the Word of God, is a person who is strong on their beliefs. You're not going to pull them off of their beliefs. They are strong in their beliefs. But there are some people who are strong in their beliefs, right or wrong. Not, not really going over that part. But they are strong in their beliefs and they beat people over the head with them. And, well, you're just not up to my level. Well, you just don't know. Well, you're just not considering this. Well, and they just beat people over there. Don't even know if they're ready or not. Not this person. This person has strong beliefs in a thing. But understands this person may not be ready for this just yet. So I am under control. I don't have to spout this out. I don't need people to know how knowledgeable I am on this thing. I can just be, keep myself quiet. And when they're ready... The Spirit of God will let me know and then I'll bring it up to them. Then we can share those things. But they're just not ready just yet and we'll just go on. And uh, that's not something that we need to do right now. This is what we need to do. This is the kind of characteristic of, that Paul is trying to tell us to have. If we're going to have a walk that is worthy, these are the characteristics of it. That we are having a right opinion of ourselves. Not in a place where we can't be taught and no one else can, help, can put into us. And this thing of being meek, this thing of a strong-willed person who has their, their, themselves under control. They don't have to go out there and beat anybody up for their doctrine or show anybody how much they know or how strong they, they are. I'm sure we've all come out of times where this didn't describe us. <laughs> I know for a while it sure didn't describe me. But we begin to grow and we let this become more and more part of us and we say, I don't have to assert my beliefs into every situation. I can sometimes temper them and just and, and 
They're just not ready for that yet. You get into some circles and you hear them talking about Jesus in one way and you say, oh, oh, that's not, that's not the way I know Jesus. But you listen and you, you, you keep yourself under control and say, Father God, what is it that you would have me to share here? What is it that you would have me to say? Because you can say the right thing the wrong way and you just set the whole thing off and they're not going to hear anything at all. And sometimes you just sit back there and you say nothing and they all get curious. Well, why aren't you saying anything? What is it that you have? And the Spirit of God will give you the words to speak to help bring light into that situation. But he may also say, they're not ready for this right now. Just, you don't need to do it. There are some things Jesus would go in and he wouldn't teach. There are some things Paul tells us. I wouldn't give you meat, but I'm giving you milk. Because you're not able to handle that. He had to read where they were. It wasn't that these truths weren't, weren't valuable, weren't good. Just they weren't ready for it. You may know truths that people are just not ready for yet. But you can, keep, you can you have all that harnessed. That's all under your control. So let me read this to you again. He may in fact possess a strong will and a powerful character. He may be a person who has his own opinion. But this person has learned the secret of submitting to those who are over him. Another thing about these folks, they are not submitted to anyone. They are not submitted to anyone. There is no one that they are truly submitted to. Because they'll, as soon as they do something they don't like, as soon as they do something they don't agree with, well, you know, they're wrong and I don't have to submit to that. Mm. They just don't understand. Thus he is one who knows how to bring his will under control. He knows how to bring his will under control. So, Characteristics, all lowliness and meekness. And then he goes on with long suffering. The word there is fortitude, long suffering, patience. I will see this word also in Colossians chapter 3, verse 12. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long suffering. We see the same word meekness, preotes, used there, and we see this word long suffering come in. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on. This is something that you need to do. This does not come automatic. It doesn't come automatically for you. You've got to put it on. How many of you all know if you go out to the shoe store and you find a nice pair of shoes and you bring them on home and you put the new shoes on, the new shoes don't automatically put on the matching outfit. What do you have to do? Put it on yourself. You have to determine what outfit is it that matches these shoes? What outfit is it that matches these pants? What is the outfit that is it that matches this blouse or sweater? It's for you to do. You put it on. They don't do it automatically. And it, just because you're born again doesn't mean that these things get put on. Therefore, as the elect of God, <clears throat> since you are the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies. Notice that you're already holy and beloved. Put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering. Take these things and, and put them on. Have them part of your, your thing there. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 12. These next two are brought in for a particular purpose. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 12. That you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. The word there, patience, is the same word, long-suffering. The exact same word. It's translated here, patience. Over in James, James chapter 5 and verse 10, My brethren, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord as an example of suffering and patience. Same word, patience. 
So in these two instances, we have a translated patience. Most of the other times it's translated long-suffering. These two, it's translated patience. That this word, what it's speaking about, is having long-suffering in the attitude of an area of being patient. I am I'm not just suffering long. I am patient. I am patient with people as they, as they grow up. This is the attitude we're supposed to have in our walk. And our walk is while we are amongst other people. With all lowliness, keeping my opinion on myself so that it's not so high and mighty, I can still learn from other people. Meekness. I am in control. I don't have to say things. I don't have to do things. I listen to my spirit. And when the Holy Spirit says, say this, do this, I say it, I do it. I don't do it because I have to say it. Sometimes, how many times have you heard people say, oh, I just have to say this? No, you don't. (laughs) There's a difference between having to say something and should say something. Sometimes people are out there saying, well, I just have to say this. Well, what are you giving into? Which spirit are you giving into? Could you just listen to me? I mean, it's not every time that somebody says this that they're in the wrong spot. But it is often, oh, I just have to say this. No, listen to the Spirit of God. It's not a matter of what you have to say. It's a matter of what you should say. What should I say here? Because sometimes we're letting our flesh, because our flesh can sure take on spiritual tones. It's called religion. <laughs> it can take on that kind of, a, of an attitude. But don't, don't let it. I don't have to do anything. I can, but I don't have to. So sometimes we're in situations and, well, I don't have to say this, but I feel the Spirit of God telling me I should. And so I go ahead and speak up. Then there's other times when my flesh is saying, oh, don't say nothing at all. Don't say a thing. Oh, don't you say nothing. And my, but my spirit man is coming up and saying, you need to speak out on this one. You need to say this. Oh, but they're not going to like that. No, it doesn't matter. You just listen. What's the Spirit of God saying? It's not a matter of what you have to say. It's a matter of what you should say. You know, there's a lot of those terms that we use and we ought to just be careful about them. And because uh, sometimes, just listen to sometimes the phrases that we use. You know, oh, I just had to say, well, did you really? You know, I, I hear it all the times with uh, political people and people in the news and stuff like that. Well, let me be honest with you. I despise that, that phrase. Well, I have to be honest with you. Now, you should always be honest with me. Why do you mean, let me be honest with you? What do you mean? You mean other times you're not going to be? If you don't say that, you're not going to be? No, I don't use that term. I don't like that term. Let me be honest with you. Oh, man. And sometimes, I know we don't mean it that way. We don't, we don't at all, most people who use it don't mean to say that I'm not being honest other times. But what does it say? Sometimes we've got to just listen to some of the phrases that we use on, on things. And just, why am I saying that phrase? Why am I putting that thing in there? We don't necessarily need to do that. To do that. With all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering. So the lowliness and meekness is tempered with the long suffering. That I am patient. I don't have to say anything. I'm patient. With long suffering. Oh, but they just got me so mad. I just had to. No. With long suffering. Long suffering and patience. Hebrews chapter 6 again said that you do not become sluggish. But imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. In other words, there's some long-suffering in there too. 
It's not just all faith. There's some long-suffering with patience that goes on. Bearing with one another is the fourth one he gives. Bearing with one another. This word means to hold oneself up against, to stand one's ground. To hold oneself up against or to stand one's ground. Put Psalm 3 up on the screen. I forgot to copy that in here. Psalm 1 and verse 3. Bearing with one another to hold oneself up against to stand one's ground. In other words, we don't back down. We stand, we stand our ground. I, I don't have to give it. I stand on the ground that I'm at. Sometimes some Christians are just wishy-washy. They just get moved around. Psalm 1.3 says, He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in the season, whose leaf shall also not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. When that tree gets rooted and rooted and rooted, the deeper that thing is rooted, you're not moving it. It's staying there. And the storms come, and what's the tree do? Moves all over, bends down. Some trees are better at bending than others. That's why palm trees grow up, grow so much in Florida, because they can bend all the way down to the ground. And you get those 200 mile an hour winds from the hurricane, and those things are just bent all the way over. But as soon as the storm goes by, pop right back up. Some of the other trees that are a little too stiff, they're going to break. They're going to snap off. They're going to fall over. But the palm tree just gives right on in, flips right on over. That's why it does so well down there. God just made all kinds of trees just to handle all sorts of stuff. But he says here, be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. This is the picture that we should be, be going after. Knowing when to bend can preserve and help us. Sometimes Christians don't want to bend on some things. Sometimes we get in there and you know, we get in with a group of people and they don't believe in speaking in tongues. So I want to get in there and I'm going to tell them what speaking in tongues does. I'm going to tell them what good this is. No. Sometimes you just need to get in with a group of people and, well, you know, this is a problem for them. So, hey, but if uh, out loud, I'm just, not going to, I'm just not going to speak in tongues here. Yeah, well, that, that's giving in. That means that you're... No, it doesn't mean anything. It means uh, yeah, they, don't, they don't believe in that. They, in, in this area, they're what we call a weaker brethren at least uh, from what we, we understand from the Scripture. So we just we don't have to do all that. You know, there are some places where they, they don't believe in Jesus as the healer. Well, that's fine. They can still, you know, you can still be saved not believing in Jesus as the healer. Glory to God for that. So we don't have to go in there with guns blazing. No, if you don't believe in Jesus as the healer, I'm out of here. No, if they want to they be sick and, and fight disease, and, and well, let them. You don't have to change your belief to be there. You just go on. You just be in that group and be healthy. After a couple of years and they see they all come down with the flu and the this and the that and the whatever else and, and you're just going along. They may come over to you and say, what is it about you? <laughs> then you can tell them. But uh, the tree knows when to bend. It's not just rigid. Even when they make big bridges that go over big expanses, what do they make the bridge do? The bridge has to give. The high rises that go way up in the, the sky. What do they do? They give. They make them out of steel because steel will bend. I've been told, you know, some of the real tall ones that are up, up there, they'll sway back and forth on a calm day as much as six feet. And you'll never know it. Just back and forth. The wind blows. They give a little bit. And they come right on back. And uh, the people inside are pretty much unaware that any of that's going on. 
They, they made, they're, not, they're not made to stay still. They're made to give. Because, you know, you've got a building that many stories up in the air hitting the wind. The wind comes against it. That better be doing something. That's a whole lot of pressure to take. But they just seem to hang in there. Even down in Florida when the hurricanes come on through, what's the buildings that are always seem to be standing? The tall ones. <laughs> the high rises. It's the little ones that are down on the ground. They just, it's gone. Those high ones, they're, they're made to bend. They're made to give a little bit. Bearing with one another. Hold oneself up against the stand one's ground. We don't have to give in. I don't give in on these things, but it doesn't mean that I have to beat other people over the head with the thing. Now, a walk worthy is achieved by how all these characteristics, there are four characteristics here. A walk worthy is achieved by how all these characteristics work together to balance us out. They all work to balance us out. If you just accentuate, uh, just focus in on one, you're not going to have a walk that's worthy. You've got to have all these things working together. And glory to God, it's not hard. The Spirit of God leads you in this way. He wants you to have this attitude of modesty, of humility, of listening to other people and, and learning. He wants you to have that area of, of meekness where you are, your strong characteristics are brought under control. He wants you to have that part of long-suffering where you have patience with people. And you're not just suffering long, you're having patience with them. And you're listening to what the Spirit of God would have you to say. And then bearing with one another. To hold oneself up against to stand one's ground. Whether we bear with one another, there are times that we just need to do that. I therefore, the prison of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love. Well, of course, that's the main thing. We've got to do it all in love, don't we? We've got to do it in love. So, this is the walk that is worthy. A walk that is worthy has these four characteristics. They're all working with each other to support and to strengthen. Just think of the chairs that you're sitting on. They've got four legs. If one leg is shorter than the other, that chair would be a problem to sit in. But all four legs are equal in length. They work, they work with each other. And that's what we need to do with this. Now, the arenas of our walk. In the Word of God... When it describes our walk, it describes nine different arenas that our walk is to be in. And it's, it's important that we're mindful of these things. They teach us over and over on the, the Word of God. We have some verses for each one of these, but you can certainly go back and look on some more. I therefore, the prison of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. When it describes a walk again... Before, he's given his principles for the inner man. Now we're giving you principles that that inner man strengthens the outer man. The outer man's one doing the work. The first one is positional truth. These are truths that are true because of your position. The second half of this are practical truths or temporal truths. These are truths that we bring into fruition. Those other ones are, are brought, into, brought into our life because of our position. My position as a son. My position as a born-again person. My position as being filled with the Spirit. My position in those things brings those things in. But now we're going to take, all right, these, were, these are true because of your position. I have an inheritance because of my position, not my walk. It's my position. I have access to the Holy Spirit because of my 
position. I'm born again because of my position, not because of my walk. Religion has your salvation based on your walk, but God doesn't have it that way. It's based on your position. And so by us accepting Jesus Christ as our Savior, we change our position. And that's, that's uh, chapters 1 through 3. But here we're in chapter 4. This is about our walk. This is the inner man affecting the outer man. So the first area is uh, Third John, verse 3. For I rejoice greatly when brethren came and testified of the truth that is in you, just as you walk in the truth. The first area that we are to, the first arena that we are to order our walk in, that our walk is, is into is the Word of God, the truth, the truth or the Word of God. For I rejoice greatly when brethren came and testified of the truth that is in you, just as you walk in the truth. We learn truth, we walk in it. We learn more truth, we walk in that truth. So I'm constantly learning truth, and then I walk in it. The Word of God tells me that don't just be a hearer of the Word, but be a doer. Walk in the Word. Our first area, probably the most important thing that we could ever do, is walk in the Word that we've been given. Walk in the Word that we've been given. Truth. The Word. And we're always finding more Word. We, we hunger after the Word of God. Give me some Word on this. Give me some Word on the righteousness of God. Give me some Word on faith. Give me some Word on healing. Give me some Word on, on long-suffering or whatever it might be. I want more Word on that so I can begin to walk. And as soon as I get the Word, I begin to incorporate this into my walk. All right, I learned these principles. I learned these truths. Now, how do I make this work in my life? Because if I can make this work in my life, I won't forget it. The first area is the truth of the Word. In Galatians chapter 5 and verse 16, I say then, walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust in the flesh. So we have the walk in the Word and then we have the walk in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill, you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So we're exhorted to walk in the realm of the Spirit. There's the realm of the Word. This is the things that are written. Then there's the realm of the Spirit. These are the things that God speaks to us, that God reveals to us. The Word of God, Jesus tells His disciples, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. How does He reveal that if it's not through flesh and blood? It's through His Spirit. He begins to speak to us some things in the Spirit. I say then, walk in the Spirit. He's the, here in Galatians, He's exhorting people, get out of always having to follow a set of rules. Listen to what the Spirit of God has to say. Because there's sometimes that He may take you beyond what your rules say. Listen to what the Spirit of God has to say. Listen to Him. And the Spirit of God is going to lead you into all truth, certainly. But He's going to begin to speak some things to you. And He'll begin to say some things that you wouldn't know from the Word of God. That person that you work with, they're going through this thing over here. Speak to them these words. Say this to them. Ask them if you could pray for them for this situation. And you go on up there, you just listen to the Spirit of God. What it, can I pray for you in, in, in this area? I just feel that the Spirit of God has been telling me that I should pray for you in this area. Well, that's kind of bold to do it at the workplace. If God said it, do it. That's what we have to do. If He said so, well, then do it. Now, the, you know somebody at work and you don't feel comfortable doing that at work, then you, you know, well, God, I need an opportunity outside of here. And so you work for, look for them walking out to the parking lot. Stalk them. Just stalk them. Just get out there and and uh, all right, I'm waiting for them to get outside the parking lot. No, I'm going to, oh, how you doing? And we walk them over to their car. 
Well, the car isn't anywhere near where mine is, so <laughs> you walk on over to the car and you talk to him a little bit. Hey, you know, I was thinking about you today when I was praying, and God, uh, God spoke just to me that I should pray for you for this. Does this make sense to you? Oh, yeah, you don't know what I'm going through. How did you know that? I told you the Spirit of God told me that I should pray this. And I just wanted to come up and, and see if I could do it. And sometimes you may even get a negative response. No, no, no. But inside, they, they just don't want to say it. And so you just say to them, well, I may have missed it, but you know, I just felt like the Spirit of God was telling me to do that. If, if anything changes and you'd like me to pray for you on that, you just let me know. We well, see, all you have to do is obey. You're not responsible for the results. You're just responsible to do. And so we listen to the Spirit of God. And when the Spirit of God comes on me and He says, speak this, say this, do this, follow this, go this way, we do it. That's walking in the Spirit. I say then, walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So there's two areas that we're going to be walking in. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 2. Pull that one up on our screen if you would. Ephesians chapter 5 and, and verse 2. Here is the third area. And walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given Himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. Walk in love. So we're to walk in the Word, walk in the truth. We're to walk in the Spirit and we're to walk in love. Now there's a whole lot of Scriptures that give us the idea that we're supposed to be walking in love. This is not the only one. But we're to to order our behavior in the sphere of God's love. Not natural human love, but in the sphere of God's love. Walk in love. So, when we get on out there and we want to walk in the flesh, we want to walk in anger, we want to, we want to say things because I feel them. <laughs> we walk in love. This is what we need to do. We need to have all that wonderful teaching in Ephesians chapter 1 chapter 2, chapter 3. All those wonderful prayers in Ephesians chapter 1 and Ephesians chapter 3. All building up our inner man. Getting our inner man strong. He's got to have an effect on the outer man. There's got to be a practical side to this thing. Otherwise, what good is taking all that knowledge in if we don't go out there and do anything? Walking in love. Not walking by emotions. Well, I don't feel like doing that today. That's not walking in love. That's walking in feelings. Well, I don't feel like edifying other people today. That's not walking in love. Well, I just feel I need to say this. That's not walking in love either. Walking in love is saying what God says to say. Not what's going to help you feel better. Not what's getting something off your chest. That's not walking in love. That's walking in the flesh. Oh, how good we are at disguising walking in the flesh by being spiritual. Well, I told them off in the Spirit. <sighs> No, you made yourself feel better. You didn't accomplish anything for God. Now, Jesus told some people off. Jesus corrected some people. But, you know, do it the way He did it. Too many times, we're just, uh, we want to follow the example, but not follow the walk in love. You've got to walk in love. There are some times that some people need something hard in order to get them over where it is that they are. But there's other times, I just need someone to be gentle and, and kind and long-suffering and patient. Walk in love. Now, this one, it wasn't too long we went over all this, but we were to walk in fruitfulness. We were walking the arena of being fruitful, bearing fruit for God. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 10, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, being fruitful 
in every good work, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. This is what we need to be doing. This is where we need to be walking. Walking in fruit. Am I bearing fruit? I need to walk in such a way that I bear fruit. And we're mindful of fruit. We spend all that time looking at being fruitful. How can I tell if I am fruitful? What does fruit look like? What kind of things are fruit? And we've got to take all that knowledge and, and put that into prayer. Am I walking in such a way as to be fruitful? Now, some one of the principles we went over before is fruit does not benefit the tree. Fruit does not benefit you. If you benefit from it, it's not fruit. Fruit is for the benefit of other people. Fruit is for the benefit of the master of the vineyard. That's for the fruit for, is for. It's not for the tree. The tree puts energy out on fruit and doesn't eat one. No fruit trees have ever eaten any fruit. <laughs> they only bear them. <laughs> no vines have ever eaten any grapes. They only bear them. We bear fruit. We walk in such a way as to be fruitful for the owner of the vineyard and to feed those that he gives them to. So Colossians 1.10, over in Luke chapter 3, verse 8, Therefore, bear fruits worthy of repentance. Bear fruits worthy of repentance. Well, how do you bear fruits worthy of repentance? You, you, you're walking this out. If I repent, then I walk in such a way that I am repentful. I, I am in a repentant way. Bear fruits worthy of repentance. Verse 9, And even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which does not bear fruit or bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Is it important that we walk in the arena of bearing fruit? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Walk in the arena of bearing love. Walk in the arena of bearing fruit because unfruitful trees are cut down. We need to walk in the area where we're bearing fruit. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Walk in what? In the good works. Good works are fruit. That's what they are, fruit. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Be bearers of fruit. Be bearers of good works. Well, the fifth area, fifth arena we need to be in. 2 Corinthians 5, 7, For we walk by faith, not by sight. We walk where? We walk by faith. There is a walk in faith that we are to have. That walk in faith is progressively getting stronger and stronger, greater and greater, less and less doubt, more and more faith, taking on things we didn't take on before. Before we were taking on hills and throwing them into the sea. Now we're taking on mountains and throwing them into the sea. Before we were laying hands on people for headaches. Now we're laying hands on people for deaf ears. Faith is increasing. Walk in the arena of faith. Walk in that area that is faith. And you know what happens anytime that you have a certain area. How many of you all had a backyard when you were a little kid? You remember having that backyard? There's this backyard and you, you walk in that area of the backyard. How long did it take for you to get tired of that? After walking around that backyard for a while when you were little. I mean, for a while this was huge. This is all the yard you could ever want. Who would want anything more than this? This is great. Then even for a while, we just were in a small section of the, of the yard. And then we branched out to, 
further and further areas. And then pretty soon, you know, you're yelling, don't go out there. <laughs> no, no, don't be over that way. And, you know, because we wanted to venture further and further. And then, you know, after a while, our limits got ex- extended and we were allowed to go to two blocks away. Oh, this was great. But then after a while, you know, two blocks was not that far. And we wanted to go farther. We wanted to extend that two block range. And so then we got a four block range in which we could walk in. And then it got to be a little bit farther. And then finally, you know, the limits were taken off and we could go anywhere that we wanted to. Well, we've got to have that same part about us where we are just not content to stay where we are in the area of faith. We're walking in faith and we're increasing that area of faith. We're not content to stay in the area of love. That we, I, want, I want a bigger area. I want more in that area. I'm not content to stay in the area of fruitfulness that I'm at. I want more fruit. I want bigger fruit. I want to extend the arena of where I'm walking on there. We walk in faith. For we walk by faith, not by sight. In Romans chapter 6, verse 4, Therefore, when we, we were buried with Him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. The newness of life is a realm that we are to walk in. There is the old life, and then there is the new life. A Christian should not walk in the sphere of the old life. They should walk in the sphere of the new life. And so we, we go through the Word of God and we compare what was part of the old life. What is part of the new life? This is where I should walk. Paul describes some things about the old life. He says, you were once this way. You were once one who partakers of these kind of things. You once engaged in these kind of things. That's the old life. But now, <laughs> now you walk in these areas. That's the newness of life. Our walk, the sphere of our walk, the, the arena of our walk should be in the newness of life. Am I in the newness of life? One of the old things the old life had was worries, cares, fears, doubts. If I begin to take those things on, what am I doing? I'm walking in the oldness of life. But I'm to walk in the newness of life. And this is all part of having a walk with us worthy. I'm walking in the newness of life. God says, that's not part of your life. That's not where you're at. You shouldn't be out over there. This is your, this is your spot over here. This is where you should, you should be. In this area. But then sometimes, you know, we get back and, well, I'm more used to this. No, 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 no. You're, you're here. You're in the newness of life now. Yeah, but I'm, and we go back over here because there's some things back over there in the oldness of life we liked. You know, uh, uh, gossip. Yeah, I kind of enjoyed that for a while when I was back in there in the old life and now in the new life I'm not supposed to be partaker of gossip, am I? If they had soap operas in, in Paul's day, I'm sure he would have put that as part of the old life. <laughs> I didn't have too much exposure with soap operas. When my, I had a grandmother who loved them. Oh, and she had to get home for her stories. That's what was always called to us. Every time we ever heard about it, I had to get home from my stories. <laughs> oh, dear. And I'm just addicted. Just addicted to the stories and all the things that would be going on. I just thought it was hysterical. 
You know, you're, you're getting yourself all wrapped up in the people who don't exist. They don't exist. They don't have real problems. But that's what we do. But that's the old life. That's not the new life. That's the old life. What are the parts of the new life? That's where we walk. We should know as soon as something hits us. Old life or new life? And if it's old life, see ya. New life? Oh, yeah. This is the area that I want to function in. You know, just think about it this way. Uh, old kitchen and new kitchen. New kitchen has the, you know, the stove you just turn on. Has the microwave oven you just put stuff in. Has the coffee maker you just drop the coffee in and how come, right? Has the dishwasher you just put the dishes in dirty and they come out clean. <laughs> isn't, that the, isn't that good? Has the refrigerator that you don't even have to put water in it. The ice is made for you. This is good. Don't have to defrost the freezer anymore. It self-defrosts. The oven is self-cleaning. Continuous cleaning. That's even better. You don't have to switch on nothing. Oh, that's so much better. Why would you go back to the old life where you're going out and getting the wood to put onto the stove to get the fire going so you can heat up the water? Oh, we don't want to do that. Why should we go out and, and lug in the water to fill up the sink when we can just turn the... No, new life better than old life. What is it about our new life? Everything that we're in, in, involved with. Is this new life? Is this old life? I'm getting a little concerned about this over here. Is that new life or is that old life? Hmm. All the things we're talking about with the, the state of our economy and the state of our nation and the state of our gas prices and stuff like that. How many of y'all know we can start to get a little bit on the concern side? Is that new life or is that old life? Because there's a whole lot going on in this world. Earthquakes and tsunamis and, and people dying and tornadoes and just stuff all over. And we can get concerned about it. But no. New life. Old life. We got more diseases today than they had back then. We have stuff going on. They didn't have to fight. Should we be concerned? New life. Old life. Which one? Which one are we going to order our, our sphere in? Be, our, be part of our arena. Romans 13, 13. Let us walk properly, decently or honestly, as in the day, not in revelry, drunkenness, not in lewdness, in lust, not in strife and envy. Title this, Walking in Integrity. Because we are, let us, let us walk properly. And the word there for properly means decently and honestly. As in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness. Well, that surely is improper. That surely is uh, not one of integrity. Not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy. That don't walk in this way, but walk properly. Walk decently. Walk honestly. But the rest of the world isn't honest. That doesn't matter. This is how you are to operate. This is how you are to walk. Walk in integrity. If you said you're going to do it, do it. That's why you're careful about what you say you're going to do. If you say you're going to do it, do it. You told your boss, I'll get that done. Get it done. Whatever it is, be, have integrity. If they give you too much change at the grocery store, take it back. If they didn't charge you for an item, let them know. Have integrity. 
That's the way our, our calling is. Yeah, well, it's not going to matter to anybody. It matters to God. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 1. Therefore, what's he say? Be, I beseech you to walk worthy of the calling. And here is our next one. Have a walk worthy of the calling. Be mindful of our calling. What is your calling in life? And have a walk that is worthy of it. Don't look at the, the people in the world. Don't look at even the people in the, in the church. Look at your calling. What is your calling? Is my behavior appropriate for a person with that calling? Have a walk worthy of the calling. This is what he exhorts us to do. Well, we've got to be not knowing what our calling is. And that's part of the things he even prayed about in the uh, first prayer we had in Ephesians. Knowing the calling. But once we know what the calling is, we need to walk worthy of it. I'm walking worthy of our calling. I'm not walking the how people deserve me to walk towards them. I'm walking worthy of the calling that I have. And here's the last arena. Be mindful of unbelievers. Colossians 4 and verse 5. Walk in wisdom toward those who are outside redeeming the time. Walk in wisdom toward those who are outside. He is specifically putting those that are outside the church, those that are outside the believers, specifically those, walk in wisdom toward them. How many of you all know unsaved people? Got some unsaved people at work. <laughs> we got some unsaved people in the neighborhood. We got some unsaved people in the grocery store. At the gas stations, at wherever it is, we have unsaved people around, don't we? Walk in wisdom toward those. So every time we, we run into someone who's unsaved, Father God, I thank you for the wisdom that you give me. And I walk in that wisdom. And God says, say this, do this. Yes, yes, I will. I will. I'll walk in wisdom. Walk in wisdom toward those who are outside, redeeming the time. Well, there's not a whole lot of time left. There's not a whole lot of time you may even have with those particular people. But make the best of it. God will help you to do that. He then goes over here in verse 3. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit. So it seems that the unity of the Spirit has already been provided. He says endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. I put in your outline that there should be harmony in our mission. No matter where we are in our, in our Christian walk, no matter what we understand, there should be harmony in our mission, which is to win those that are lost. That should be our, our main thing. There should be harmony in our mission when there isn't harmony in our beliefs. We're not always going to have harmony in our beliefs. We're all in different places in our walk. But there should always be harmony in our mis mission. Endeavoring is from the, the Greek word Spidazo, to make effort, be prompt or earnest, give diligence or be diligent. To make effort, be prompt or earnest, to give diligence or to be diligent. Endeavoring, being, dil being diligent, giving all diligence to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. If we have a walk that is worthy and we keep those characteristics that He just gave us, about this walk in, in place. 
we will be keeping the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. It's when we get those four characteristics thrown off and we don't let them influence the things that we do, then we begin to insert a lack of peace in the, in the places where we are. We as mature believers should walk into a place and bring peace. And there should just be people who just enjoy being around us because, oh, it's so peaceful. It's so peaceful because when you speak, you bring words that need to be heard. You say things that just minister to people. And people want to hear that. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Well, this is our goal. And this is the thing that we can do. And this is just him starting off the book of Ephesians here. Or the, the, the starting off the second half of this. We're not even that far into it. Three verses into it. And this is how he lays the foundation. Because what we have in this, been given in the Spirit to build up our inner man will have an effect on our outer man, will have an effect on our walk. Have a walk that is worthy of our calling. With all and these four characteristics and these things, lowliness of, of, of mind or the, the right attitude of who we are, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another. When we have these things and they're all working together, they have an effect upon us that endeavors to keep the unity the bond of peace. Father, we thank you for the help that you give us, that we are growing strong and that these characteristics are alive in us and getting better and stronger and having more and more influence over us. We thank you, Father, that we can walk with the right attitude about who we are in lowliness of mind and being humble in an area that we realize, oh, I have so much to learn. I thank God for the things that I know right now. But I just know there's so much more of God to be learned. And I thank you for all the people that you put in my path to help me learn it. We just keep that attitude. We can learn no matter where we are. God can speak to us through anyone. And we just keep that attitude in every place that we're at. We have that meekness. We have ourselves under control. We don't have to say things. We don't say things because I feel compelled. We say things because we are led by the Spirit of God. And we say and speak the words that you give us because we know those things Keep the unity that the Spirit of God has provided. Glory to God. Oh, Father, we thank you that these characteristics work in us. They have an effect upon us. And every place that we go, we alter for the better and we alter for good. We give you the praise and the glory for